1: Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
0: If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain...
2: Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Olive Magazine podcast. My name's Laura Rowe, I'm the editor and I'll be your host today. This week we'll be talking about Airbnb and why it's a great way to anchor your foodie trips home and away. We're also speaking to Anna, our Cthulhu writer from The Test Kitchen, to hear what ingredients she's been using this week. And we're exploring new wave Asian cuisine from our May issue, where you should be getting it, what you should be ordering and how you can cook it at home. Okay, first up, we are talking to Anna, our cookery writer, and Sarah from our website. Um, Guys, I recently came back from uh, Bristol Food Connections, which was a festival, and if any of you listened to our last podcast, you'll have heard us talking about street food. But while I was there, I went to this amazing new restaurant called Bullrush in um, the Cotton District of Bristol, and one of the ingredients that they used was a seaweed called wakami, which is a green seaweed. Now, in our July issue, we've actually got uh, three recipes from these guys. They're really talented chefs, Um, and Anna, you've been testing those recipes in the kitchen this week right
1: yeah we were actually testing them today okay so cool the starter was um mackerel mackerel fillets with um a white wine vinegar and an elderflower cordial um, pickle. Okay, wow. So you cure the mackerel and then it was served with some heirloom tomatoes and the wakami, which was dried and you, you rehydrate it. So it's a really nice texture on the plate. Um, it's almost got a bite, whereas the mackerel is very smooth and silky and then okay. you've got the bite of the wakami and a bit of uh, a salt on the dish as
2: well. Which yeah, you presumably guess. you've got lots of different balance of flavours there and you've got sort of um, sweet from the elderflower, you've got sour from yes. the pickle and then you've got the sort of seaweed salt flavor from the wakame.
1: Yeah, and then to top it off, there's a really delicious basil oil and oh, I mean, a tomato, tomato consomme that you pour over at the table.
2: So it's a, it's a showstopper as well. Sarah, have you used any seaweed in your cooking before? Um, so I've cooked with nori before. Um, using it as a salt is a pretty okay. cool way to do it. It's grinding it up into a powder and just as seasoning. So nori are the green sheets that you guys might have used at home in uh, sushi, it's just what you roll the sushi up into, but you can buy those just in packets, can't you? So you just use a pestle and mortar to grind that into a salt? Uh, In my coffee grinder. Oh, okay, cool, that's a really Um, good idea. So using it more as a garnish rather than the main meat of a dish. Okay, cool. It's great on popcorn, if you yes, want to try on yeah. popcorn. Oh, that sounds great. Um, Anna is referring to a really cool video that she did for us recently on our website and on our Facebook page. Um, tell us how you did that, Anna. So
1: in a pestle and mortar, it was just a bit of sugar and wasabi powder and then the nori crumbled in and you sort of pound it in a pestle and mortar, and then you sprinkle it over, and it's a really nice garnish on the on the popcorn. Yes. So that's sweet and salt together, that yeah. sounds amazing.
2: It's like the perfect combination of popcorn, right? And there was uh, two other types of popcorn that Anna oh, wow. did, which were amazing. <laughs> she did a really, really cool um, butter and marmite popcorn, yeah. which was so, so good. Yeah, and the
1: <laughs> other one was puccini mushroom and parmesan, which was my personal
2: favourite. Yeah, she likes to slum it when she does her cinemas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So what else have you been making in the kitchen this week? So we've also been experimenting with coconut flour, which
1: okay. I've heard is quite tricky to use. So we thought, you know, we'd give it a go and yeah. see what we can do with it. So it's made from the coconut flesh and it's... Uh, dried and then ground into a,
2: almost like a flour so it looks like flour. Okay so it's impact. almost like a waste product then that wasn't previously being used.
1: Yep. so you so when they make coconut milk it's the it's what's left over okay, really cool. and they dry that out. So we um so we heard it was a bit of a nightmare to bake with it but we've seen people using um using it for pancakes and bread okay. but what we wanted to do was make a really really nice pastry out of it. Ooh, wow. So instead of butter we use coconut oil and in, in the liquid we used a couple of eggs and coconut milk as well so we're getting a lot of the coconut flavour into the tart. Mm. Uh, into the base of the tart and then on top we've got nectarines, thin slices of nectarine with a lime syrup. Okay. Amazing. And then desiccated coconut on the top. So oh, yeah, that sounds
2: pretty good. There's a lot of coconut there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nutritious. Yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not not good if you don't like coconut, but I do, so that that's yeah. good for me. So what was it like to work with? Was it really short or crumbly or it's, it takes up so much liquid it's actually oh, wow. quite
1: surprising. Okay. So um you had to put a few eggs in there and then quite a lot of coconut milk. So we did the um, food processor method where you bl- blitz it to find breadcrumbs and okay. then you add the eggs and then pulse it until it forms a ball. And it needs probably nearly double the amount that regular wow. plain okay. flour uses, wow. wheat flour. So, um, yeah, it also, because we use the coconut oil, it's either a liquid or a solid. It's not that sort of soft butter. Yeah. You never mm-hmm. really get that middle middle ground. Yeah. So you have to chill it for 30 minutes, no no less, because then it's too soft to, okay. to work with. And, um no longer because it's too hard and so you can't roll it out.
2: See, this is why the fact that Anna and our team test our recipes three times, it's really, really important because it's little tips like that that make the difference between a recipe working and a recipe yeah. not working. Mm-hmm. But the other great thing about Anna as well is she's so responsive on Twitter. If you've got any problems with any of our recipes, which you won't because they've been tested three times, <laughs> but if you tweet us or Facebook us, email us or even call us, Anna will immediately be able to tell you what's wrong and help you out um we are very good like that (laughs) so Anna's gonna be bombarded (laughs) No, it's great to hear the feedback yeah I mean
1: we test them three times for for everyone on the floor in in the building and the olive headquarters so it's really nice to get everyone's feedback not just the the people that are cooking it and you know not the people on the team yeah yeah
2: so that's really 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 cool what else have you been making this week
1: so another thing which is a bit of a revelation is a poke cake (laughs) Right, okay, tell me what a poke cake is please. (laughs) So it's been taking over Pinterest at the moment and it's essentially you make a cake sponge and you poke holes in it and you (laughs) fill it with all the goodness. All the
2: goodness sounds yeah. amazing. Okay. Are we talking like syrup or icing? Or? Yep, yeah, I've
1: seen loads of different types, but the one, my personal favourite, is filling it with icing so it falls down the holes. And so when you cut it, you get like a fudgy icing in the middle of the cake. Yeah,
2: I mean, that's my kind of cake. I like proper fudgy, sticky cakes that you need to like use a knife and fork for. You can't use your hands because yeah. it's going to get messy.
1: So we've actually even improved this recipe by putting a blueberry compote in between the sponge, the lemon sponge, blueberry compote, and then a cream cheese frosting. Oh, my God. And so the blueberries <laughs> fall
2: down the holes and then they get covered up in a lovely layer of cloudy frosting. Uh, so cool. <laughs> so you just think it's a normal cake, slice yep. in, and then you've got this amazing pattern inside. Yep, it's a surprise. So, so cool. And that's in our August that's issue? That's in August, yeah. And that's along with the coconut tart as well. Yes. That's in our August issue yeah. too. Okay, super, super cool. Um, have you ever heard of anything like that before, Sarah? Are there any kind of clever cakes like that that you've cooked before? Um, no. Well, the closest thing that comes to mind is sort of doing a lemon drizzle cake. Once I... Uh, Yeah, I chocolate cake when it's still hot and you just get the icing sinking into the cake and making it super fudgy. And then, of course, once it's cool, you've got to do another layer of icing (laughs) as well. (laughs) So (laughs) it's pretty epic. Yeah, I think anything like that where it's got that sort of sticky, moist layer is is always going to go down well with people, isn't it? I
1: think it did come from the lemon drizzle. You know, you poke it with the skewer and you let the, the sugar syrup drip into the cake yeah it's almost like that but you know a bit more crude
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay cool I will look out for that that sounds amazing anything else
1: the other thing that we've also
2: been testing this week are buffalo wings now I love a good buffalo wing (laughs)
1: these are the best (laughs) buffalo wings I tell you I I drove from New York to Denver last year on a hunt for the best buffalo wings. <laughs> 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 on a That's dedication it. for you. <laughs> these are pretty high up there. Yes, yeah. Seriously. Yes. Wow.
2: Okay, so I actually tipped Anna off to these buffalo wings. So they are from guys called Randy, which yes. is best name for um, a bar. So Rich and Andy were the guys that created this chicken bar. It's just opening up in Hackney Wick this month in the um, former Olympic Press Centre, and they bake them instead of frying them, don't they? they? Do, which is really yeah. cool.
1: Well, I thought, well, I was, I wasn't sold on the idea, but as soon as they came out of the oven, they were super crispy. I was really surprised, and uh, they would have anything other than Frank's hot sauce as well, which makes it
2: the proper buffalo. Exactly. Yeah, It's <laughs> that really nice sharpness, isn't it? The heat yeah. and the sharpness that is mm-hmm. just so, so Moorish. And we're serving them traditionally with a blue, blue cheese dip. Mm-hmm. Yeah the best and celery sticks (laughs) amazing so that's in our July issue so that's in our here and now section which is right at the front of the magazine Um, and that's Randy's and that's in Hackney Wick Um, okay cool so that sounds pretty good to me yeah we've had a good
3: week (laughs) yeah yeah you
2: can see why I like working at Olive can't you Um, okay cool thank you so much guys that was really amazing and I know what I'm going to be cooking Olive next week thank you very much Okay, so I am speaking to Rhiannon, our travel editor, and Alex, our editorial assistant and digital writer, about Airbnb. What is it, Rhiannon? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so Airbnb is, was one of the pioneers of the sharing economy. It was basically originally about renting someone's spare room instead of staying in a hotel. But now it's grown into much more than that, with everything from villa companies to boutique BNBs listing their accommodation. And although it started out as a way for people to find cheap, homely accommodation in a destination, it's um, grown a lot since then, but it's mm. still a good way to find stylish, affordable places to stay, much more centrally, maybe, than you would otherwise. Because Alex, you recently went to Copenhagen and Gothenburg, yeah, and found some very cool Airbnb places to stay there.
3: Yeah, it's really great because um, the beauty of staying in Airbnb is, well, for me, is you get to pretend that you're you've made it in life and you're a really cool <laughs> local. You get these really, really cool, hip, decked-out apartments, yeah. um, and some of the places I've I've stayed in are in really like really trendy neighborhoods so yeah. that are maybe a bit further off the beaten track than the tourist spots. Yeah. Um, for example, when I was in um Copenhagen, I stayed in Vesterbro, which is the meatpacking district. Okay. And um we were just chilling out one day after after we'd been exploring and we just opened the window. And there was a little jazz concert going on in the little square downstairs because so there was a little bar. And we got to just it was a real insight into like the local life and we got to just watch everybody down there, which was which was amazing. Yeah. Was
0: and wicked. what was the apartment like itself? Was it quite cool and Scandinavian? Oh, yeah.
3: Both of them. The one in Gothenburg and the one in Copenhagen. They were incredible. They're really like retro um very, very scandy and cool. I didn't I didn't feel cool enough to be about <laughs> well either. Um and they had um like um records on the wall, they had a, a record play, obviously we didn't use that, but um I'm sure they wouldn't mind if we did. <laughs> That's yeah, the thing, record.
2: is you're being welcomed into somebody's home, yeah, aren't you? So you, exactly. you don't get that sort of Even though you can get really stylish hotels, you don't kind of get that clinical, it must be suitable for guests, this is just Mm -hmm. somebody's home, they decorated it exactly how they want it, and you get sort of a taste of that.
0: Absolutely. I think you're buying someone's lifestyle as well, in a way, and when that's Scandinavian, Mm -hmm. Danish, Swedish, lovely, all the better. Um, And as you found out as well, it's all about tapping into that local knowledge, Mm -hmm. which we Try really try hard to do it, Olive. Anyway, when we're doing our travel features, we think you know a nice way of getting a real insight into local food culture is to speak to the people who live there and eat and drink there all the time. Mm-hmm. And Airbnb ties in really nicely with yeah. that because often if you choose your hosts well, and you yes. look for a particularly food, uh, foodie host they will often leave you lists of recommended places to mm. eat locally yeah, that definitely. you wouldn't find in the guidebooks yeah. or online. Did, yeah. you, did you find that? Yeah, so
3: there's two ways of doing it. One way is it depends if you want to have a room, just a room in somebody's home or um, a, the whole apartment to yourself. If you've got the whole apartment to yourself, they usually leave a list of places to go. Mm. And um, But when I was staying in Copenhagen, we stayed with this amazing couple who were really, really foodie. And they recommended their local brunch favorite spot to eat. And it was literally about 10 steps away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was called Dirahaven And it was my favorite place that I went to in Copenhagen. It's really like retro chic with patterned tabletops and squishy booths and <laughs> all that. And um, we I had an amazing open rye bread dish with like new potatoes and asparagus and cucumber and it was topped with like crispy onions. It was amazing Sounds and that was really my favourite place I went to and I wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Um, and also I had a similar experience in Gothenburg, um, whereas the host wasn't there, she she left a list of places and we went to a really great place called Hagabian Kino. Sorry if that's not pronounced correctly in <laughs> the Swedish. Attempt, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's actually connected to a theatre and lots of local people go and it was really buzzy we had swedish gene teas and it was all vegetarian food and really inventive vegetarian food and yeah again it wasn't it didn't have that clinical like touristy vibe at all so you really felt like you were part of the neighborhood and
0: that's yeah. that kind of the dream when you're travelling, isn't it? Yeah, because exactly. if you want to eat in a Michelin-starred restaurant, you can find that information out really mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. But those little neighbourhood places are the, the ones that you want to find. Yeah. And this is a really good way of doing that. Yeah, it's um But you also found, didn't you, that it was also a way in the wider culture that you you discover a bit more about people's lifestyles there through yeah. food as well. Yeah. Yeah,
3: definitely. Like we we were really lucky because the place we stayed in in Gothenburg, she left. Like just a little pack of uh, Swedish foods, oh, and we amazing. had these biscuits called Havreflan. Sorry, again, <laughs> if that's not very well pronounced. <laughs> um, and they were like Swedish oatmeal biscuits, and yeah. they're covered in chocolate. And we had in this amazing apartment again, um with a view of the park and we just sat and had tea and these Swedish biscuits and we are just like this is very cool (laughs) Um, and you can also buy them an Ikea and now I'm going to stock up next time I go so again (laughs) like you're learning about the food Mm. and things that you can bring back to to England as well so yeah that was brilliant.
2: Well you message the owner don't you when you book Mm -hmm. uh, most of the apartments most of the time so you're already building up that discourse so if that was something that you were interested in as well it's a great way to start that conversation.
0: Definitely. And I think people are really keen to share that yeah. kind of knowledge as well, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, we love, certainly like, love sharing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: And I, whenever people... So the couple that I stayed with in the Copenhagen, I said to them, make sure that when you come back, even if you don't stay with me, let me know and I can give you some places in London to go. And they have since been, and also they went to Sri Lanka and I'd just been, and you get to swap yeah. knowledge because mm. these people are usually very well traveled. Yeah. So you get to learn about other cultures. You know, I was talking about Sri Lanka when I was in Copenhagen. So yeah, it's really great.
0: It's funny you say that because I have a friend who does Airbnb and she said it's a great way for the world to come to her. She's oh, so, yeah. so She yeah. meets yeah. these people That's from around lovely the world. <laughs> But yeah. um, this is making me also think someone should do an Airbnb for just specifically for foodies. Yeah, it's amazing that it doesn't yeah. exist. We shouldn't say this on, the, <laughs> on
2: our podcast and everyone will steal your idea. Mia. <laughs> it's a great idea. You heard it here first.
0: Of course, it's not a completely unique idea because you also have things like AirDine in Sweden and there's one called Plate Culture and Eat With in various countries, and they're a bit like Airbnb in that um, you're not actually staying in someone's house, but you're eating in someone's house. Mm. So they're a way of tapping into local supper clubs oh. or just going for a meal in someone's house. Um, and it's just a really nice way of tapping into local food culture. Mm. Probably quite a good value way of doing it as well. Well, that's true, that's true. And fuss-free. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Which we always love. Are there any top tips you've got, Rhiannon, for when you do book a Airbnb for those people that haven't done it before?
0: I think just check the reviews really carefully. It's quite a Mm self-regulating business. And Mm -hmm. um, if you see that somewhere, it sounds obvious, but if someone's got lots of great reviews, then you're pretty safe that you're going to have a great experience. And also just to check that it's in line with what you like. There might be someone else who loves going out and eating Nigerian food in um, Hackney, whereas someone else might want to eat Swedish food in um, sure bath, like oh, sure <laughs> like yeah. around the world. Um, so it's, it's, that's what it does. There's, there are so many really good in depth reviews online now that you can really tailor make an experience to suit you, I think. Yeah. And read olivemagazine.com for more travel tips too, obviously. Obviously.
2: Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you so much, Rhiannon and Alex. That's Thank great. Thank you. Okay, so we've still got Alex with us, our editorial assistant and digital writer. Hello. And Anna, our cookery writer. Hello, guys. Hi. Um, So now we're going to be talking about a feature in our May issue, which is the one with the egg in the hole sandwich on the front cover. Um, it's all about East Asian food, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Tony Naylor, one of our really amazing restaurant writers, has rounded up some key dishes that we should all be trying and places to do it across the country. Now, Alex, you in the office are a massive fan of Asian food, aren't you?
3: I am indeed, yeah. I went to Vietnam last year for the first time, um, but I really got the Asia bug. Um, okay. But I do a lot of restaurant reviews in, um, in England and in London. Um, so I love all the variety. Um, what is it about the flavours of Asian food that you really like? Well, what's, what we've seen recently in um, London and across the UK is this new wave Asian okay. trend, which um, combines traditional Asian flavours with really like interesting, trendy, modern, Ingredients. Okay. So um, we've got like the bow bun that we talked about last week in the podcast, um, and those are like little cloudy pillows of steamed milk. They're delicious. So aren't they? good. Yeah. Um, and there's quite a few restaurants. For example, there's one called Firm Bun, okay. and that is um, where's com- that? That's in Piccadilly okay. in London, and that's combining a, a burger with a bow. So usually, really uh, bao buns filled with um, like braised pork and really Asian flavours. But this has got like a fur burger. Okay, so it's um, HG Walter, which is a really, really good, good quality uh, butchers. They have twenty um, eight day dry aged Aberdeen Angus beef with oh. all of the ingredients in a fur. So they have. Um, uh, bean sprouts and chilli and coriander and mint on the top so, so good yeah. so a
2: proper mash-up of flavours yes and Nana, you did an amazing um mash-up barrel bun in a recent issue as well didn't you
1: we did yes we did um a pork and apple oh, that so was so good, good.
2: <laughs> really good
1: so we took classic flavours and gave them a bit of a remake and with this one we did a pickled apple and slow-cooked pork belly with cider and soy sauce. It was really
2: good. It was soft. It was sticky. had the Mm. sharpness of the apple, crunchiness. It was, yeah, it was dreamy. (laughs) Proper, proper good. And stuffed with um, some
1: coriander as well. It just the freshness and Mm.
2: really, really nice. Yeah, so good. And um, another one of the dishes that we featured in the issue was, I'm I'm pointing to Alex, which you can't see listeners, (laughs) because obviously this is a podcast, but Alex is going to pronounce it for us. Oh, the fur, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you might have been reading it in the uh, issue. It's it's about pho. Yes, but so, why is it pronounced fur? Well,
3: so a lot of people and I did as well think it's pronounced pho. Pho, yeah, um, and, and lots of
2: other words uh, pronunciations <laughs> as well. But it is fur. We can yes. show you. Yes.
3: Um, so when I went before I went to Vietnam, I was told by um, people in Viena- Vietnamese restaurants um, in London that. You should definitely say for; otherwise, they will they won't know what you're talking about. And it's because um, because of the French influence in Vietnam. Okay, um, it actually comes from the French dish pot à feu Okay, um, so it's like overheat. Okay, um, and. So it's got from these big, you know, kind of casserole dishes in France. And that's made, um, they made a real impact in Vietnam. And they combine that with all of the star anise and the coriander and the fragrant flavors in Asia. So there's no real, it's the origins of fur have Mm. actually, um, you know, quite highly disputed because some people say it's the French influence, some people say it's always been there and from the south of Vietnam, but, you know, um, yeah. But it's always, what I loved about Vietnam is that they have fur for breakfast. Okay. And it's, like, about 80p, and on every street corner you go for breakfast. I mean, it's only served before 12 o'clock, and you go and have this really hot fragrant hearty dish and i actually vowed to when i came back to have needle soup for breakfast every morning but how's that going, going? <laughs> <laughs> not that well <laughs> it's quite difficult to make a 12 hour broth um, yeah. before you wake up in the morning so yeah. it is all about the broth isn't yes. it it's about yeah the you infused. made a really really good one in the test kitchen didn't you recently yes
1: it's um a lot of Recipes use star anise and cinnamon mm. to infuse, and it's all about the quality of the the bone broth. Yeah, um, it's almost like the meat and the noodles are secondary to this. Yeah, it's thin yeah. but so aromatic, um, and to season as well, it's faracha and hoisin sauce. So good. Mm.
2: So, what's Great the key combo. to making an awesome bone broth? And is it just time? Is it the time, quality the, of, you know, the quality of bones matter in a bone broth.
1: Um, Roasting them off first as well to get out a bit of the flavour and a bit of cider vinegar to release all the nutrition from the bones as well. (laughs) That's a really good top tip. And, yeah, the amount of time that you... It's as long as you possibly can, really, on a low heat. Okay, so can you do that in a slow cooker or something like that as well? okay. yeah, you can do it in a slow cooker. I'd probably do it for over eight hours, really. And then you infuse it with all the um, dried chilies,
2: garlic, ginger... Uh, star anise cinnamon as well all the flavor yes yeah amazing load up okay cool so what other dishes have we spoken about in the uh in the feature guys
3: um one of my favorites is uh bibimbap um, which literally means mixed rice and that's a korean dish it is yeah and um it's great because you usually get well if you go out and have it um at a restaurant and there's one called bibimbap be Bimbap in <laughs> London, um, and it comes to you in a hot stone. Uh, bowl which is sizzling and it okay. still cooks while it's in front of you and it's all about they're really into the yin and yang in korea and okay. it's all about the the marriage of the flavors and mixing them all together with the egg and then it forms like a sticky layer of rice on the bottom Yum. and yeah so that's delicious you made one didn't you in yes. the kitchen. yeah yeah we amazing. did
1: we, d- we did um a bit of a british twist okay on a bibimbap and um, we did a bacon and egg
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm already sold. So tell me about this.
1: So um, it was a classic bibimbap recipe with um, the shredded vegetables on the top of the okay. the uh, short grain rice, but then we brushed uh, streaked smoky bacon with gochujang and grilled it, and then also <gasps> <Yes. laughs> so yes. with a with a fried duck egg as well because the yolk's a lot bigger. Yeah. You could um, when you break the yolk and stir it through the rice, you get all of those flavors together, yeah. and it's a lot more creamy. So yeah, it was it was just a bit of a, a different version of it.
2: So bibimbap as well is also about how you sort of position. It's almost like the architecture of the dish, isn't it? It's mm. not. Yeah. it's how you yeah. layer it up. Um, so tell me a bit more about that as well.
1: It's so you almost have the plain, plain uh, short grain rice okay. um, with a few sesame seeds or a bit of sesame oil, and okay. then it's almost like you get room temperature shredded mm. vegetables. And traditionally, it's there's um, they use a lot of leftover vegetables okay. for this dish. Okay, great. Um, and so it's the presentation as well so it's all very separate and then when you're at the table you do break the yolk and stir everything. I love that so
2: you could kind of make like a refrigerator if you wanted Mm, and yeah it is all about how it looks as well that's part of the enjoyment of eating it isn't it is how it comes out yes which is so cool so cool is there other areas in the uk where you can get that that we feature yeah
3: if you don't have time to make it yourself there's um there's plenty of places um in there's one in glasgow called kimchi cult Um, you've got bibimbap house in cambridge and also namel in brighton and yes in london there's the bibimbap there's about three or four okay and
2: this feature is online on olivemagazine.com as it well is. if you haven't managed to grab the issue. Um, uh, Tony's got lots of other recommendations across the UK for some of our dishes in there uh, too. Thank you. Uh, so any other places that we should be looking out for or dishes we should be trying? Uh,
3: a recent place that's opened in London, um, uh-huh. is Somsar. Yeah,
2: so Alex and I have both yes. been there. We've both very, braved the queues.
3: Um, <laughs>
2: for anyone that doesn't know about Somsar, Alex, tell us about it. it was in Clemson's Arch a couple yes. of years ago, right? Yeah,
3: they had a residency about... I think it was last year yeah. and um they've been trying to find a bricks and mortar place for a while um and they finally sorted it out and I was literally messaging the owners like when are you <laughs> opening are you? because they d- they just it's brilliant food, it's really, really punchy Thai food, yeah. so it's not adapted to Western. they call it taste. kind of unapologetically regional,
2: um, yes. which I really like, and the menu's quite short, isn't it? I think' it is. Will be if you're expecting a traditional Thai when you have kind of your Thai green curry and things like that, you're not going no. to get those dishes there um
3: no did you have the sea bass I did, yeah. so
2: um if any of you guys follow us on Instagram, you will have seen us posting pictures from from there, so it's a whole fried sea bass and. It they, is. They Coat it in um rice, don't they? Toasted rice flour, I think it is. So it's got this really crispy shell. It looks revolting because it's <laughs> big, ugly, <laughs> deep fried whole fish head and all. But
3: revolting sort of, or amazing. Well, yeah, depending <laughs> on how you look at it.
2: But you kind of break through, just don't be squeamish, break through and then you've got this amazing soft, yeah, soft flesh Yeah, it just falls inside. off. It's
3: really easy. to. It looks a bit daunting but yeah. it's actually really easy to
2: portion out. Yeah, and it comes with a really fresh zingy salad um, and like you say, the flavours are so punchy in every dish there and one of the chefs from the restaurant actually Provide a recipe for us um, recently too, didn't they, Anna?
1: Yes, we um, we featured the rabbit larb salad. So it was rabbit mince with dried chili and shallots and fish sauce, and that's also served with uh, white cabbage and loads of herbs. And it was
2: absolutely delicious. It was so refreshing, and it was so it was actually quite low calorie as well, wasn't it? Because it didn't have any fat or anything either. High protein and this amazing toasted rice powder, which kind of gave a real nutty extra something, didn't it? It was really really good.
1: It sort of made the dressing for the for the rabbit, which is really nice.
2: Yeah, that was John who gave us that recipe. And he is he English Hippie on Instagram? Yes, English
3: Hippie. English yeah.
2: Hippie. Um, he's really, really cool. And so we've got two recipes from him on olivemagazine.com. We've got another turmeric recipe from him. The mackerel. Yeah, that was a big hit in the <laughs> test kitchen too. You can see we love our dogs. We get to eat all this amazing food all the time. Um, So yeah, Somsar is now in East London. Yes. In Spitalfields, would we classify it as? Uh, yes Yes. (laughs) Um, it's near commercial street commercial street there you go Um, (laughs) and yeah there there are some queues you can book some tables in the booth if there's larger parties of you Um, but if there's kind of one or two of you you will need to just turn up and brave the queues but I can 100% say it's definitely worth it Um, and my review of that will be online very shortly and it will also be in the July issue of Olive Magazine if you download or buy that in the shops too fabulous so what we've learnt from that is that we love New wave Asian food, and you should too. If you want to learn anything else about that, head to olivemagazine.com, follow us on social media, or of course, you can buy the magazine in good stores now or download it from our app via iTunes. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. You can subscribe or download for free at Acast, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. And make sure you tell us what you love, what you don't love, what you want us to talk about next week via our social media channels. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, we're there. Get involved, get cooking. Have a lovely week, guys. Cheers.